Welcome to 29th Floor Sunday School. This is a podcast intended to supplement your weekly study of the Come Follow Me curriculum published by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm host Ben James, and every week I lead you through the lessons in a way that is intended to help you better understand the scriptures, make you think about important questions, and strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ. You can also find the video version of these lessons on my YouTube channel, titled 29th Floor Sunday School. If you find these lessons useful, please consider becoming a subscriber. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, welcome to 29th Floor Sunday School. Glad you can join me as we together study the Come Follow Me lesson for December 14th through 20th. And this week we will be discussing the final chapter in the Book of Mormon, which is Moroni chapter 10. Well, I have an announcement that I would like to make about next year. Uh, and that announcement is I do not plan to continue uh, preparing and delivering lessons every week uh, during Doctrine and Covenants. So, uh, in fact, this is, I anticipate, my final lesson uh, that, that I plan now. I can't promise that I won't uh, pick it up again at some point in the future, but again, I do not plan on uh, recording and, and delivering lessons for Come Follow Me for the year 2021. I set out on this journey uh, about a year and a half ago um, under the hope that I could uh, touch some people, um, help them to understand the scriptures in a way that, that I understand them. As you probably gathered, my understanding of certain scriptures and certain concepts is a little bit different than the uh, orthodoxy LDS view. Um, it's obviously my view. Everything that I've presented in the past year and a half of lessons has been solely uh, my view, and I'm obviously take responsibility for for everything that I've said. But but that was my purpose when I began. Uh, I think it was uh, May or so of last year, beginning towards the end of the gospel narratives and all the way through. Uh, the second half of the New Testament, and then uh, gladly I've, I finished the Book of Mormon, and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm very happy that uh, I was able to do so. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that I will uh, hopefully forever have this testimony uh, that I have been sharing over the past year and a half, uh, and, and as permanent as YouTube and digital media is, who knows what the future will bring. Um, but I'm, I'm pleased that I've been able to leave uh, my testimony, and I'm grateful for all of you that uh, have, have joined me uh, on this journey. I hope many of you have, uh, have, have gotten something uh, out of these lessons. Hopefully they've helped you uh, in your understanding of the scriptures. Maybe they've helped you view scriptures or view certain points of the gospel in ways that you hadn't considered before. Uh, but most importantly, I've hope, I hope that they've helped you draw closer to, to Jesus Christ, because um, as we'll see in today's lesson, that is the purpose of scriptures. That's what separates scriptures from every other type of uh, written record, is that the purpose of scriptures is to bring us unto Jesus Christ. And the scriptures that I've been teaching the past year and a half uh, in the Book of Mormon and in the New Testament, that is what they do. That is their purpose, which is bringing us all to Jesus Christ. So, so more than anything, I hope uh, my lessons have perhaps helped you uh, to draw closer to Jesus Christ during uh, the past year and a half as well. 
Um, and with, with me no longer uh, presenting lessons, I, I will say that there are a few uh, other excellent sources out there, some of which I'm sure you, know, you, you have discovered as well. Uh, one, my personal favorite, the one I would recommend, is, is called Talking Scripture. Uh, two guys, as far as I can tell, uh, out of the Salt Lake area. Uh, who do a weekly podcast. I'm not certain that they'll be doing it next week, next uh, next year, but I, assuming that they are, I, I strongly recommend their podcast. It's, 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 it's excellent. Uh, Book of Mormon Central, of course, does a very good one. Uh, there's one called uh, Unshaken, uh, done by a, a man with much more experience and education uh, in uh, the scriptures than I have. Uh, there's, there's a number of excellent uh, resources out there that I would highly recommend. So, uh, again, thank you for, for everyone that has, uh, has participated, who, who's watched. Uh, for those of you that have left comments, and uh, especially those that ex have expressed their gratitude, um, I, I appreciate that. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been, you know, a labor of love on my part. I've loved doing it. I love, I love teaching. That's why I started and nothing I, I love more, I love teaching more than teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially uh, from the Book of Mormon. I'll just say this past year, as I've studied the book uh, more in-depthly than I ever have before in preparation for each lesson, I read the passages at least, at least three times uh, for each one. Um, and to go into that depth, going verse by verse, picking out uh, those verses that I think are are worth uh, extrapolating, worth, worth talking about more, and and finding ways in which they they tie together, uh, elaborating on different points again, much more in depth than I than I ever have before, uh, has has truly been been a great blessing uh, to me, uh, helping me to increase my faith and my testimony um, of this book, and uh, I think that testimony. Uh, is this idea of testimony is probably an excellent place to to start a discussion on Moroni chapter ten? Uh, it's of course Moroni's final farewell. He's he's bid us. He's tried to say farewell a few times before, but this time he actually uh, finally is successful. Uh, this of course being his his last chapter before he he buries the plates, and then we're not uh, exactly sure what happened to him. Uh, but this is uh, his, his final chapter, and of course, like any final chapter, you're going to say the things that are, that are most uh, important, uh, top of your mind. And here Moroni does so in the form of seven different exhortations. Uh, so the first one comes in verse 3. Behold, I would exhort you that when ye shall read these things, if it be wisdom and God that ye should read them, that ye would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men from the creation of Adam even down until the time that he that ye shall receive these things and ponder it in your hearts. Famous verse, although we often tend to skip this verse if we're going to, uh, don't always skip it, but, but often we do as we talk about the process of gaining a testimony of the Book of Mormon of these things. Uh, so a few things to note. Here in this verse 3, Mormon is reminding us and exhorting us. He's, he's pleading with us. Uh, when ye shall read these things. Now these things, I think, are probably referring to the entire Book of Mormon. So it's a little bit different than we have the situation that we have in Revelation when 
uh, even though the book of Revelation falls last in the Bible, it's uh, chronologically not the last book that is written. So when people uh, you know, often attack the church for, for having the Book of Mormon because we've added uh, to the, the things in the Bible, as John the Revelator specifically tells us not to, that, that's kind of a nonsense argument. Um, but, but here, uh, and, and that's because John wasn't referring to the entire Bible, he was referring to his specific record because there was no, no entire Bible when he was uh, writing his uh, Book of Revelation. But here, uh, I think it's most likely that Moroni was referring to uh, the entire plates, uh, the entire Book of Mormon, exactly as we have it. It has passed through uh, very few hands to get from Moroni's record the way, well, from Mormon's record, uh, him having recorded the entire history uh, of his people, uh, spending his entire life working on this project, then passing it down to his son Moroni to add a few words, and then Moroni comes back and directly hands it to Joseph Smith, who translates it, who translates it into English. And that's where we get it. So it passed through very few hands uh, to get uh, the way that we have it now. So he's saying, when you read these things, when you read the Book of Mormon, remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men. From the creation of Adam down until you get these things. So... From the very, very beginning up until you, up until you get them. Remember how merciful the Lord has been unto the children of men. And don't just remember it, ponder it in your hearts. Think about it. And this idea of the Lord being merciful um, is, is a beautiful one. And it's, uh, and it's, a, it's a pivotal part of, uh, of the Book of Mormon. In fact, uh, 1 Nephi the very last verse in 1 Nephi ends with this idea of the Lord being merciful unto the children of men, where the last, last sentence in uh, 1 Nephi chapter 20 says, But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. And so we see in the very first chapter of the Book of Mormon, it ends with this idea of the Lord being merciful to the children of men. And then the very last chapter of the Book of Mormon, that chapter begins with the idea of the Lord being merciful unto the children of men. So the entire Book of Mormon is bookend, essentially, by this idea of the Lord being merciful unto the children of men. And I would put forward that that is the theme of the Book of Mormon, that the Lord is merciful. The Lord is a God of mercy to all those who have faith in him and are willing to accept that mercy. That is the theme of the Book of Mormon. That is what Moroni, more than anything else, wants us to remember. That's his exhortion number one. Remember how merciful the Lord has been unto, uh, unto us. And we're to spend our lives thinking about that and thinking about our relationship with God is because we are his children. And that is why he is so merciful to us, that relationship to us. And what a beautiful time of the year to, to ponder on that thought, because that is what the Christmas story is. It is that God is merciful to us. 
God loves us. He loves us so much that 2,000 years ago, he condescended to come down to this earth, leaving his throne, being born in the most humble of circumstances to a young virgin mother and her poor fiancé. He lived upon this earth among a captive people, people that did not enjoy freedom, but were frequently abused, in a religion that, although it emanated from him, had since been changed and in many ways lost its way. That's the situation that he came to. He didn't come in our day with modern technology, living in a fancy air-conditioned house, to his restored church. He could have, but he didn't choose to. He chose to come in a very different time. And why did he do that? Because of his mercy towards the children of men. Because he loves us. Because he came not for the purpose of living a comfortable life, but living a purposeful life, the greatest purpose that any life ever had, to atone for our sins, to pave the path and to make it possible for us to return to live in the presence of him and our father, our heavenly parents. What an incredible way to express his love for us, to express his tender mercy for us. And then, of course, it's not just that act. Our lives are evidenced of the mercy that God has for us. And that's what the Book of Mormon, that's its central message. Look at all these incredible stories. Look at all these, these beautiful stories that have happened to these people that lived so long ago. And look at the way the Lord blessed them. How can you see those stories and not see the hand of the Lord in those people's lives? Well, lots of people do, and Moroni talks about it later. There's lots of people that read these stories and say, ah, fake, made up, irrelevant, not helpful, nothing to do with me. They cannot see the hand of the Lord in this book. They cannot see the Lord's mercy evidenced by the Book of Mormon. And those same people, because they cannot see the, the, the hand of God in the Book of Mormon, probably not able to see the hand of God in their own lives. They prefer to, to live their life according to their own hands and the way that they want it to go. And whenever things don't go how they want it to go, then they get frustrated, they throw up their hands, and, and they get bitter, and they get angry, and they forget God. But Moroni's message is clear. Remember how much God loves you. Remember he is merciful to you. Remember that he is there. Remember that things happen in your life for a reason. Remember that everything that has ever happened in this world that is good is because God loves us. And that's step one. If you're going to gain a testimony that Moroni wants us to gain, you have to remember that critical step one that God is merciful unto the children of men. And with that, let's read the second exhortation, verse 4. And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort ye that ye would ask God, the eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you, 
by the power of the Holy Ghost. All right, so exhortation two. Remember in the first one where it said, when you read these things. Now in the second exhortation, he says, when you receive these things. Now it's different, I, I, I posit, it's, it's different to read something than it is to receive something. Receiving something is a much more active uh, action. It requires more of the reader. It's not just looking at words on a page, but actually receiving it into your heart. And I believe that's what Moroni is talking about. When you receive these things, then ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, whether or not they are true. And it's my belief here that Moroni is not necessarily talking about true in the, in the way that you and I think of true. We think of true-false. Either something happened or it didn't, right? That's the way we've been conditioned uh, in, in, our, in our modern world with modern, you know, scientific post-enlightenment thinking. We think of things as being true-false. It either happened or it didn't, and that's the most important question. But I'm not sure that's what Moroni is talking about here. I mean, <laughs> that'd be kind of silly, right? You know, ask the Lord if I really existed. Well, Moroni, either you existed or you didn't. If I'm reading your words, I'm going to assume that you existed. Otherwise, where did these words come from? I don't think that's what he was talking about. I think when he says true, it doesn't mean whether or not these things really happened. But we are to ask whether or not they are true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether or not this book is, in fact, a testimony, a testament of Jesus Christ. That is what we are to ask God. Not, did Moroni really exist? Not, was there really a man named Nephi? Not, did Ammon really cut off a bunch of arms? Those are historical facts. Who, who cares? That's not interesting. And that's not really that important. The importance of the Book of Mormon message is not who these people were. The importance of the Book of Mormon message is that they testified of Jesus Christ and that their record proves to us that the Lord is merciful to us and he will save us. That is the importance of the Book of Mormon record. That is the truthfulness that we are to ask God about. Is this record true to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does this book lead me to him? Does this book bring me closer to my Savior and show me how I can become one with him? Does it show me how I can be saved? And it is my testimony that every single page in the Book of Mormon shows us how to come unto Jesus Christ. And this record written solely for the purpose of helping us come unto Christ, is 100% true to that mission. It will help you come unto Christ, but you have to receive it into your heart. You have to ask God with a sincere heart, with real intent, and having faith in Christ. And if you do so, the Holy Ghost will testify to you, yes, this book is true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This book will lead you to Jesus Christ. 
the stories, the message, the underlying <clears throat> purpose of the book are all true because they will lead you to Jesus Christ. Just as going back to the book of, uh, book of Ether, which I think is just the perfect example, as we talk about the barges, did that story really happen in the details that Moroni tells us? I don't know. There's a lot of things in there that don't make a lot of sense to me. I have some real questions as to whether or not that story is historically accurate in the way that it's recorded. But as you know from watching my lesson about that story, I love that story not because I believe it is 100% historically accurate. I love it because it teaches us so profoundly about how to have faith, about how to have answers, receive answers to our prayers, and about how to return to the presence of God. Because that is the purpose, that is the message of the Book of Mormon. How to lead us back to the presence of Christ. How to help us enter into and keep our covenants with him so that we can return to our heavenly parents. That is the message of the Book of Mormon. And that message is a true one. Regardless of the historicity of certain events that are described on its pages. Again, for me, those are just facts. They may or may not be true. The stories are interesting. I love the stories. Did they happen exactly the way that was recorded by Mormon? I don't know. I wasn't there. Mormon wasn't even there for most of them. He got somebody else's record and then he took it and he summarized it and put it down in a way that made sense to him and helped him to convey his purpose in recording uh, these stories. Which again, his purpose was not to be a historian and, and accurately depict what actually happened. His purpose was to create a record that would help us draw unto Jesus Christ, that would help us prepare to come unto him so that he can lead us back into the presence of our heavenly parents. That is the purpose of the record. And I know that for that purpose, this record is 100% true. Verses 5 and 6. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of all things. And whatsoever thing is good is just and true. Wherefore, nothing that is good denieth the Christ, but acknowledgeth that he is. So the power of the Holy Ghost will tell us whether or not something is true to the gospel. Not whether or not it is true. You're not going to take a history test by the power of the Holy Ghost. You don't open up your high school history textbook and, and the Holy Ghost testifies to you of certain dates of having to do with the world history. Yeah, I mean, those things are true. There's a bunch of historical facts that are true, but are completely unimportant. I don't believe the Holy Ghost testifies of those things. The Holy Ghost testifies as to whether or not something is true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know whether anything, ye may know the truth of all things, whether anything is true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the Holy Ghost. Not to testify of truth generically, not to tell you whether something is historically accurate. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is to testify of Jesus Christ. He is God the testator. That is what he does. He testifies of Christ. 
and therefore he will tell us whether or not something is true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then verse 6, everything that is good is just and true. Uh, An interesting statement. Everything that is good is true. And how do we know if something is good? Wherefore, nothing that is good denieth the Christ, but acknowledge that he is. So according to Mormon's definition, something, if something is good, it will testify of Jesus Christ. And if it is good, it is therefore just and true. So again, clearly Mormon is not talking about historical accuracy. So instead of, you could think of it this way, instead of asking whether or not the Book of Mormon is true, as we normally think of it, replace the word true with good, because he said, whatsoever thing is good is just and true. Is the Book of Mormon good? Does it lead me to Christ? Does it leave me spiritually satisfied? Does it give me a sense of peace? Does it help me understand God? Does it encourage me to love others? Does it encourage me to keep the commandments? Does it fill me with faith? Does it bring me closer to Christ? Those are the questions that we should be asking. Not where are the gold plates? Not where is the book of, where, where, where did the Nephites actually live in the American continents? Not what was the translation process? Those are all interesting. Those all have their answers. I'm not convinced that we can ever know all of those answers, though. Many of them happened a long time ago, and any evidence that there could possibly be has long since been destroyed. So, sure, if you want to spend your time looking for those evidences, that's fine. I'm sure you're going to find some. You're also going to find some things that cause you to question whether or not it's true. Sure, go ahead and study those, but make sure you're asking the relevant question. And the relevant question, according to Moroni, is not, did these things really happen? It's, is this book good? Does this book bring me to Christ? Does the Holy Ghost testify that this book is true to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And again, it is my testimony that it absolutely is. Verse 7, And ye may know that he is by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, I would exhort you that ye deny not the power of God. For he worketh by power according to the faith of the children of men, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So exhortion number three, do not deny the power of God. Because if you deny his power, what's a sure bet that you're never ever going to see it in your life? How can you see something, especially something spiritual, if you deny that it exists in the first place? It's impossible. You'll never see it. And so it's important for us to keep to keep an open mind about God, to not get so focused on the details of our life, not be so busy looking for evidence or proof or signs of certain things that we fail to see the power of God active in our own lives. And we'll see this as a constant message in this verse, in this chapter 10. This is obviously something Moroni really cares about, is that, and it's, you know, who several reasons why. One is because maybe the people of his time, they failed in this aspect. They were always looking for signs. They always wanted something more. They were never satisfied, and therefore they were never able to see the power of God in their lives. 
And then another explanation is Moroni knew that it would be beneficial to us because my goodness, do we live in a society in which people want proof, in which people fail to see the power of God. Even though it's evidenced everywhere that you look, if you but have eyes to see. And from my mind, there's no greater proof of the power of God than the presence, the existence of the Book of Mormon. So, uh, third exhortation, do not deny the power of God. Because if you do not have faith, you will not be able to see the power of God. So faith are the glasses, you could say, through which we are able to see the power of God. And if we don't have our spectacles of faith, and because of that we fail to see the power of God, that doesn't mean that God isn't there, and it doesn't mean that God isn't powerful. It just simply means we're not equipped to see him, and we're not equipped to recognize his power. Uh, Verse 8, we get our fourth exhortation. And again, I exhort you, my brethren, that ye deny not the gifts of God, for they are many, and they come from the same God, and there are different ways that these gifts are administered. But it is the same God who worketh all in all, and they are given by the manifestations of the Spirit of God unto men to profit them. So the gifts that God gives us, and Moroni lists out a number of them here, they are given to profit us for our benefit, to help us, to bless, and to strengthen us. That is why God gives us these gifts. And Moroni's exhortation is, do not deny these gifts. Similar to the power of God, don't deny the power of God that is out there. At the same time, don't deny the power of God that is in you. Because we each have heavenly gifts. We each have godly gifts if we are able to recognize them. And again, he lists a few of them, but they're given for our benefit. And so, and why are they given? Not just for our benefit, they're given so that we can benefit other people. So that, and this is something we talked a lot about in the New Testament last year, because Paul spoke a lot about these gifts and about the church. The whole purpose of the church is it's a body of people sharing their heavenly gifts together so that each can benefit, so that each are edified by our own unique individual gifts. And we are to take our gifts, we are to contribute those gifts to the body of Christ. And as we do so, we are all strengthened and the whole church is strengthened. The body of Christ is strengthened and we are all brought back closer to God. And just like the power of God, Moroni's exhortation here is do not deny those gifts. They are there. They are available for you if you will but take advantage of them. If you will but humbly use them. Do not set them aside and do not deny their existence. But use them to benefit others for the profit of your brothers and sisters around you. Okay, verse 18. Exhortation number five. And I would exhort you, my beloved brethren, that ye remember that every good gift cometh of Christ. A very clear statement. Every good gift comes of Christ because those gifts are used to testify of Christ. Remember, each gift comes by the Spirit of God. They come by the Holy Ghost. And what is the Holy Ghost's purpose? It is to testify of Jesus Christ. So why does Jesus Christ give us these gifts by the power of the Holy Ghost? These things that we are not to deny because they help us draw closer to Christ. 
That is the purpose of these gifts. And so if you deny those gifts, you deny the chance to draw closer to Christ. But when you embrace those gifts, when you magnify those gifts, when you use those gifts to bless yourself and to bless those around you, the result is that you and those around you are brought closer to Christ and that you strengthen your testimony in Christ and that you uh, become one not only with that person, but you become one with Christ as well. That is the purpose of the gifts. That is the purpose of the power of God. And so to deny all of these things is to deny yourself the opportunity to come back, to draw closer to God, and to strengthen your faith and strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 19, And I would exhort you, my beloved brethren, that ye remember that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that all these gifts of which I have spoken, which are spiritual, never will be done away, even as long as the world shall stand, only according to the unbelief of the children of men. Exhortation number six here is to remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he does not change. And just as he gave gifts anciently, just as the, in the stories of the Book of Mormon are evidenced that God gives gifts to men and women, and when they use those gifts, they can help people draw closer unto Jesus Christ. And so just as he gave those gifts 2,000 years ago to the people in the ancient Americas, even so today, even down to our time, as we read in verse 3, to the time that you receive these things, God continues to give his gifts. And those gifts are given for the purpose of drawing us closer to Jesus Christ. And this is so important in a world that is so focused on scientific proof, on the scientific theory, on, on proving with evidence that something is either true or false. I think Mormon is, uh, again, he's, you can see he's, so, he's emphasizing, so, or sorry, Moroni is emphasizing within these few verses uh, th this idea that you have to remember these things. Don't deny the power of God. Don't deny the gifts of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and so as we live in a world that increasingly relies upon science, it can be harder and harder to recognize these gifts as coming from God because some of them can be explained away. Some of them, and I think that's how we, how today, how we deny the power of God used to be that you would look at the sunset and say, oh my goodness, God is so amazing. Look at that beautiful sunset. How can you not see evidence of God there? Well, and then the scientist, the scientist comes in and explains how the, the earth rotates and how the different uh, chemicals in the air uh, <laughs> lead to light bending and refracting. And the, the result is we get this amaz amazing display of color. Oh. Well, you know, God was there and then now you've taken it and you've made it scientific. But of course, two things can be true at the same time. Just because there is a scientific explanation does not mean that God isn't the one that put it there in the first place. Doesn't mean that God isn't the master scientist that uses the science that we are so slow to discover to create an amazing and beautiful world that testifies of him. But we live in a world that even though it testifies of him, 
we still look for our own scientific explanations, which is good. I mean, I'm not looking down upon science. My goodness, how many modern discoveries and advances and uh, conveniences and comforts come because of the scientific method, because we have learned to truly understand how many of the things in God's earth are functioning. It's, that's a good and it's a wonderful thing. You know, this in a week in which the coronavirus vaccine has finally been approved. What an incredible advancement from science as you, as you understand how messenger RNA works and how they've been able to develop this uh, very safe and effective vaccine so quickly. It's unbelievable how, how far science has taken us and what science does for us. But if we let that science dictate the way we view everything, it can take away the spiritual from our lives. I think we have to be careful that we don't get so comfortable or so reliant upon scientific explanations that we start to deny the power of God, that we start to deny the gifts of God. Even if they can be scientifically explained, that doesn't mean that God didn't put them there in the first place. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God continues to bless us with his gifts, with his power, if we have faith to see those gifts and to see that power. So by all means, get all the education that you can and learn, understand how the science works, but don't deny that God is the master scientist and that all of this world, even though it can be explained, continues to testify of the power and the majesty and the mercy and the love of our God. Verses 20 through 23, wherefore there must be faith, and if there must be faith, there must also be hope, and if there must be hope, there must also be charity. And except ye have charity, ye can in no wise be saved in the kingdom of God, neither can ye be saved in the kingdom of God if ye have not faith, neither can ye if ye have no hope. And if ye have no hope, ye must needs be in despair, and despair cometh because of iniquity. And Christ truly said unto our fathers, if ye have faith, ye can do all things which are expedient to me. So we get back to these beautiful, this beautiful stool, this, this uh, three-legged stool of faith, hope, and charity. And as we've explained last, uh, the past few lessons, the way it makes sense to me is hope is believing in the destination. Faith is believing in the map that gets us to destination. And then charity is the fuel that propels us on our way uh, on that map towards our destination. Every, each three of them is absolutely critical. You cannot have, you cannot be lacking a single one. And that's exactly what Moroni teaches us here. Unless you have all three, you cannot be saved in the kingdom of God. You can't move towards the kingdom of God unless you have charity. You, you'll be doing all of these actions, but if those actions lack charity, they will not make you better. They will not propel you towards our heavenly parents. And of course, you have to have faith. You have to trust Jesus Christ that he will get you there. You have to have faith that his map, his path to get us back there, which involves his atonement, which involves us having faith in him, which involves us repenting of our sins, being baptized in his name and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have to trust all those things. You have to trust the map that he has prepared for us. And then, of course, we also have to have hope. We have to believe in that destination. And I love verse 22. 
or I guess it saddens me. If you have no hope, you must needs be in despair. I don't know how people get through life without the belief that there is a divine destination waiting for us. I don't know how people get through life not believing that there is something more out there, that this life is just a, a random circumstance that has, that's void of all meaning and, and all purpose. I, I don't understand how people go on like that. I, I shudder to think what I would be like if that was how I understood the world. Thank God that he has given me this testimony that I have, this belief that I have, this hope that I have, that there is a better world there, that there is something more, that I have loving heavenly parents that sent me here for a purpose and are anxiously waiting for me and waiting for you to return back to their presence, to enjoy eternal life with them, if I will trust the map, if I will have faith in Jesus Christ, and if I will have charity so that I can move along that path back to their presence where they are waiting for us. And I, verse 23, I think, is powerful. If you have faith, you can do all things which are expedient unto me. And the, and the word expedient means uh, to the attaining of an end. If we have faith, we can do all things towards the end that Christ wants to take us, which is back to the presence of our heavenly parents. He will lead us there. He will bring us back to their presence. And the entire purpose of the Book of Mormon is to teach us how to come unto him, how to come unto Jesus Christ so that we can grasp his hand, so that we can be grasped in his uh, loving embrace so that he can lead us back to our heavenly parents. He can lead us to eternal life. That is the purpose of the Book of Mormon, to bring us, to lead us uh, along this path. Verses 24 and 25. And now I speak unto all the ends of the earth, that if the day cometh that the power and gifts of God shall be done away among you, it shall be because of unbelief. And woe unto the children of men, if this be the case, for there shall be none that doeth good among you, no, not one. For if there be one among you that doeth good, he shall work by the power and gifts of God. So Mormon's changing his audience now. If you noticed in verse 1, he was speaking to the Lamanites. But now he's being a little more bold. He's speaking to everyone, to all the ends of the earth. What a fascinating thing for a man who is in complete isolation, who lived his life running away, running away from contact with anyone out of fear that they, might, uh, that they might kill him. But he's bold enough to say, now I'm speaking to the entire world from my isolation with zero technology other than these gold plates and a writing utensil. But that's what he's doing in, in his message. Again, his message is, do not deny the gifts of God. Do not deny his power. Because that's how good is done. For if there be any one among you that doeth good, he does it by the power and gifts of God. These, 
this power and gifts of God, these things we have to have faith in, that we cannot deny, that we cannot let our modern sense of technology overwhelm to the point where we say, oh, you know what, it, it's all, it, it's silly, it doesn't mean anything. And that we get rid of all spirituality, all religiosity, because Mor Moroni is telling us anytime you do good, it is because of the gifts of God, because of the power of God. That's what allows you to do good. So, you know, it's an, it's an interesting question then. Can those without God in their life do good? And by Moroni's understanding and the way that Moroni explains it, the answer is no. You can be a good person. You can do kind things to others. But if you do it while denying the power and the gifts of God, it's not good. Now, remember last week we talked about, as we talked about laying hold of all good things, we talked about how good things were those things that propel you towards the kingdom of God, that make you a better person, that edify you and lift you and prepare you to return to the presence of our heavenly parents. That is what good things are. And with that understanding, this sentence actually makes, or this statement by Moroni makes some sense. If you deny the gift and the power of God, even if you do good things, they're not going to help you to improve. They're not going to help you become better. They're not going to lead you and prepare you to return back to the presence of God. Because that is what Christ's mission is. And therefore, that is what is good, is preparing to return to the presence of God. And it is possible to do so, impossible to do so, without the power and the gifts of God. Verse 27, we get our seventh exhortation. And I exhort you to remember these things, for the time speedily cometh that ye shall know that I lie not. For ye shall see me at the bar of God, and the Lord God will say unto you, Did I not declare my words unto you, which were written by this man, like as one crying from the dead, yea, even as one speaking out of the dust? So exhortation number seven, remember Moroni, is, what he's saying is true, and God's going to testify to you that that is true. So if you deny the power of God after having received the Book of Mormon into your life, Moroni says, you're going to get there and you're going to see that you're wrong. You're going to be disappointed. You're probably going to be in despair. Interesting exhortation from Moroni of all the things that he could say. He comes down, he doubles down on his testimony. These things are true. And one of these days, God will prove it to you. And he will ask you, didn't, didn't Moroni tell you that they were true? How could you have missed that? How could you have denied that? Uh, an interesting verse, but nonetheless, it's exhortation number seven. And then the final exhortation is in verse 30. And again, I would exhort you that ye would come unto Christ and lay hold upon every good gift and touch not the evil gift nor the unclean thing. And awake and arise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Yea, put on thy beautiful garments, O daughter of Zion, and strengthen thy stakes and enlarge thy borders forever, that thou mayest no more be confounded that the covenants of the eternal Father, which he hath made unto thee, O house of Israel, may be fulfilled. So the, our eighth and final exhortation is to come unto Christ, to lay hold upon every good gift, to arise from the dust, 
Which is an interesting statement for a man that's about to go to the dust, to be one who is speaking from the dust. To put on our beautiful garments, prepare yourselves, because you're about to return to the presence of God, because that is your mission and that is your purpose. So you have to prepare yourselves by keeping the covenants, that those covenants may all be fulfilled. So his final exhortation is such a beautiful one. Come unto Christ and prepare yourself for exaltation. Prepare yourself to return to the presence of your heavenly parents. That those promises that God covenanted with you when he sent you down here in the first place may all be fulfilled. Remember, that is why God sent you here to succeed to grow, to develop, and to prepare to return to his presence. That's why you're here. So arise from the dust. Stand up. Be above this earth. Put off the things of this world and put on your your garments of your covenant. Put on that remembrance that you are a child of God and there is so much more waiting for you after this world. Remember that God is merciful and he sent you here because he loves you. And he sent you here for the purpose of preparing to return to his presence. That is Moroni's final exhortation and what a beautiful one it is. Come unto Christ, lay hold upon every good gift, prepare yourself to return to the presence of God, where God will reap upon you every potential every blessing, every gift that he has covenanted to do so. Verses 32 and 33. Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you that by his grace ye may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, Ye can in no wise deny the power of God. And again, if ye by the grace of God are perfect in Christ and deny not his power, then are ye sanctified in Christ by the grace of God through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins, that ye become holy without spot. I love the phraseology here. Come unto Christ and be perfected in him. Our job is not to be perfect. That's not what we're here to do. We are to be perfected in Christ. Now, what does that mean? If you remember from earlier lessons I've given, the idea of perfection, one way to understand it is that it's a legal term. It's when you've done everything that you can under the law to secure your rights. And how do we do everything that we can under the gospel of Jesus Christ to secure our blessings? We are baptized in his name. We receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We repent of our sins and we keep his commandments. And as we do those things, we have done everything that we can to come unto Christ. We are perfected. We are perfect in Christ when we have done everything that we can to come unto him. And if we will do those things and love God with all of our might, might, mind, and our might, mind, and strength, then his grace is sufficient for us. And when his grace is sufficient for us, 
we are sanctified by that grace. That's verse 33, through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ which is in that covenant, that covenant that we just talked about. God's promise that if we come here, he will prepare a way for us to return to live with him. He will make it possible so that we can take the blessings that we've learned here, the progress that we've made, the growth that we've achieved, and we can take that and return to the presence of God through the grace of God, through the shedding of the blood of Christ. And as we do that, his blood through the covenant that God has made with us, his blood purifies us. It makes us holy and without spot. It prepares us to return to the presence of our heavenly parents. That is what Christ came for so that we can have our sins remitted, so that we can be fully prepared Once we are perfect in Christ, once we have done everything that he asks us to do to come unto him, then we are fully prepared to return to the presence of our heavenly parents. And then Moroni gives his testimony that that is what is going to happen to him in the final verse. And now I bid unto all farewell. I soon go to rest in the paradise of God until my spirit and body shall again reunite and I am brought forth triumphant through the air to meet you before the pleasing bar of the great Jehovah, the eternal judge of both quick and dead. Amen. I love the idea of the pleasing bar. God, who we promised, who were reminded in verse three is a merciful God. And he has been ever since the very beginning from the days of Adam until our time, God is a God of mercy. He loves us. So when we are brought before him as our great judge, it should not be in fear and trembling. But if we are prepared, if we have had faith in Christ, if we have been perfected in Christ by doing everything that we can to come unto him, and if, our, if we have prayed for remission of sins, and if we have the Holy Ghost testifying to us that our lives have been true. Because by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things, including whether your lives, whether you have been true. I pray that each of us will have that Holy Ghost in our lives. Testifying to us that not only is the Book of Mormon true, but that we are true. That we have been true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if we have, when we return to stand in front of our great judge, our eternal judge, It will be before a pleasing bar. It will be a beautiful experience. An experience in which we will feel the love of God. In which we will feel his grace. And we will know his mercy. And I testify that his grace and his mercy are true. Because because we have the Book of Mormon 
to teach us and to testify that they are. And I leave this testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.